0: Historical significance of Hanukkah is more than just a celebration among the Jewish people. You must be made aware of this in the times in which we live. This particular holiday falls on the twenty-fifth of Kislev in the Hebrew calendar. In the Gregorian calendar. That would be the month of December. We have the Hanukkah story thanks to the great prophet Daniel. Daniel the prophet was told of the Lord about this event. This event that took place nearly 200 years before Yeshua came the first time. This story will happen again. This is a story about the desecration of the land of Israel. The people, the altar, and the temple. But once again, this is a story about a remnant. A remnant that rededicated the land of Israel. That rededicated the people. That rededicated the altar and the temple of Yahweh. This is a story of rededication. Hanukkah means dedication. And so we have to ask ourselves a personal question. What are we dedicated to? What are we dedicated to? Once again, in the times in which we live, this particular holiday season, whether Jew or non-Jew, the story of Hanukkah will play out again. Will you be caught up in all the trappings of the holiday? Or will you be sober and vigilant in the rededication at that age? Only time will tell. Once again, historically significant. like that? Did I get your attention? That's how you open up your teachings. See, some of you are kind of nodding off on me. Got to bring you back to reality. Amen? Because there's just a lot of things happening, and and I just want to encourage you that I want you to be caught up in the right things. I don't want you to be caught up in the cares of this life it will choke out the word. The cares of this life choke out the word, everybody. You must understand this. I fall in the same trappings as you. That complacent spirit is no respecter of persons. And so in this, in this holiday season, in the times in which we live, we have to really share about what we're for, not what we're against. And so I'm excited because I know that when I get into the word, the word gets into me. And you can take the word and put it through the fire, and it will stand the test of time. It will stand the test of the fire. And I'm just as guilty as all of you with an opinion. We all have opinions. We always start out with, you know what I think? And that's where everything goes south. That's where everything goes wrong. So I believe we're living in exciting times, and I want to prepare you for what's coming on the earth. I want to prepare you so that you can be vigilant, you can be sober, amen? This victim mentality has got to go. I pray to the Lord all the time, Lord, I'm not entitled to anything. I have no entitlements, amen? The first thing I would ask of the Lord if I was entitled something is well-behaved children 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I would ask nothing of myself, just the entitlement of peace with the children. See, the scriptures say, and I don't have to go there, And all you're getting, get understanding. So as I wake up every day, I want to understand. I want to understand how I operate. I want to understand my faults and my my you know my strengths I want to understand my marriage and my kids I want to understand this church I want to understand the Lord and his word I want to understand why people do what they do around me I want to understand and all you're getting get understanding and and so we are living in exciting times and there's a lot of you know smoke and mirrors a lot of distractions amen There's the Grinch that stole Hanukkah running around. And so we can get caught up in in the culture and in the holiday season in the wrong context, but I think at this time you should really enjoy yourself. I believe this time is special. I'm just going to share this right out of the gate because I believe Yeshua, Jesus, was conceived at this time. Now, it's a theory. I love what the Father has done because we cannot declare the exact date of his birthday because it's not given. You could guess December 25th. Why not? There's 365 days in the Gregorian calendar. But if we do like a CSI Jerusalem, we could put some clues together and really probably come up with that chances of him being born on December 25th is real slim. The odds aren't really in your favor. But see, that's not the real issue right now. Because when I share the Hanukkah story with you, it's going to make sense for all of us. And so we're going to to get into the historical significance of Hanukkah. And I want to educate you, because I've had the opportunity of understanding Hanukkah for 20 years, and I could give you my top 10 list of why we celebrate Hanukkah and all of that. But I'm just going to lay out to you in this hour the historical significance of Hanukkah. It's historical, amen? Hanukkah happened. It's not a myth. It's not folklore. Hanukkah really happened. So Hanukkah is the Hebrew word for dedication. Hanukkah is the Hebrew word for dedication. If you look up the word dedication, you're going to see Hanukkah. You can spell it any way you want. Have you ever seen that? C-H-H in the beginning. That's what, what's cool about Hebrew words. You can spell them any way. Just, just say them right. Hanukkah means dedication. So the story of Hanukkah took place from around 175 to 163 B.C. in the land of Israel. In the land of Israel, the story of Hanukkah took place. Let's look at the story. Let's look at this story. A small army of devout Jews known as the Maccabees rebelled against their Greek Syrian rulers, eventually overcoming them. The holiday commemorates the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem after it was defiled. Isn't that a cool plot? Something's taken away, something's desecrated, right? Something's contaminated and destroyed and and brought down and, and it's brought back to life and restored. Isn't that the coolest thing, amen? So let's move on to the legend Legend says there was only enough pure oil to light the menorah for one night, but through a miracle, the menorah burned for eight days. Since that time, Jews have celebrated Hanukkah by burning lights for eight days. Once again, folklore, tradition, that the oil lasted, right, for eight nights, eight days, and it was only a one-day supply. Now, what I want to submit to you is this. This is the custom and the tradition among the Jewish people to have the Hanukkah, which is a nine-branch menorah, which, of course, would make sense because the original menorah is seven branches, and the Shamish is in the middle, three on either side. With the Hanukkah, there's four on each side, and the Shamish is in the middle. And so that's what you call a Hanukkah. Now, just to let you know, if you took out the miracle... From this story of Hanukkah, you still have a story. Not all customs and traditions are harmful or can hurt you. I don't personally believe that lighting candles in the Hanukkah is going to hurt anybody unless you leave the candles burning and you go to bed. (laughs) Then there could be a fire. But all I'm submitting to you is this. This is why we do the Hanukkah. This is why we would light the candles is because how many of that we associate, how many of that we can relate to the Jewish people as a, as a as a congregation. We could actually relate to them. And so that's another reason why we of course would would celebrate Hanukkah. You know, and in hindsight you're going to learn a lot, but we have a lot more to learn. Uh, I'm just going to scratch the surface, but this is a fascinating study in and of itself. You can go down so many avenues, so many rabbit trails. Uh, That time doesn't permit me to do that, but uh, I just want to encourage you to study it for yourself because it's quite fascinating. And uh, next week, we're going to be looking at the prophetic significance of Hanukkah. So this story took place. It was prophesied. And oh, and by the way, it's going to happen again. Okay. How many of you love prophecy? It's one third of your Bible. Hanukkah is prophetic. Ooh, Bust that out of the gift package. I have a present for you. Happy Hanukkah. It's going to happen again. How about some sources for the Hanukkah story? Let's look at some sources. You can find the historical account of Hanukkah in Daniel 11, verses 21 through 35, and in the book of Maccabees 1 and 2. Josephus, the Jewish historian, also gives an account of the Hanukkah story. Okay? 1 Maccabees 1 and 2 is part of the Apocrypha. It wasn't canonized, but I'll tell you what, it's good reading, amen? Very good reading. Very interesting. There's nothing wrong with having an outside source of the Bible as long as it lines up and doesn't contradict. you got to remember that. okay? It's always that saying, eat the fish, spit out the bones. It's the coolest thing. So Hanukkah is celebrated for eight nights, and it begins on the 25th day in the Hebrew month of Kislev, which is, of course, this year in 2016, December 24th, to December 31st. Isn't that the coolest thing? We're just slapping the Gregorian calendar right in the face. It's not Christmas Eve. It's the first night of Hanukkah. It's not going to be the Gregorian New Year. It's the last night of Hanukkah. God's got a sense of humor sometimes. So this right here is going to mess you up along with all of your relatives. I'm not responsible for your behavior, what you say and what you do. Amen? I plead the fifth on your part. All I'm saying is that it is what it is. How about some historical events before Hanukkah? Some historical events before Hanukkah. After Alexander's death, Greece was divided among four of his generals. You can read this in Daniel 8.22. And this took place around 323 B.C. This is when the problem started to happen, okay? Because how many of you know that in in the prophecies of Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel is the skeleton of prophecy. From Daniel comes everything. So you can take the the prophets and all the other prophecies and you can put them on this skeleton of, of the prophecies of Daniel, of that image in Daniel, and then you can understand prophetically truly where we're at. Because the first kingdom is what? Babylon. Remember the head of gold in the book of Daniel. It's the head of gold, the Babylonian Empire. Then, of course, you go into the chest and arms of silver, which, of course, represents the Medes and the Persians. How many of you understand that? But when you get into the the belly and the thighs of brass, what kingdom is that? Greece, the Greek Empire, okay? So it's from this area of the body that this Antichrist actually comes from. But we know after the Grecian Empire, we have the Roman Empire, correct? The legs of iron, East and West empire. Legs are the longest form of the body. That's why the Roman Empire was the longest running empire. makes perfect sense in proportion to the body or the image in Daniel. Does anybody understand that? This is prophecy 101. You should want to know prophecy, you should know prophecy, okay? It's of no private interpretation, but this in hindsight and, and, and really an overview, is self-explanatory. What will happen is you're going to go into the feet and it's partly of iron, partly of clay. How many of you are familiar with that part? And how many of you know that we end up with 10 toes? Does everybody understand that? Unless one of them is cut off. Some of you have had an accident. There's 10 toes in this image. Now, most prophecy scholars or teachers would say, and I would agree with them, prophetically, we are in the heels of this body part moving towards the clay and the iron mixed together and it doesn't mix very well we'll never know who the antichrist is until there are 10 leaders and this particular individual will usurp three of the 10 does everybody understand that you can say he's a type of antichrist he's got the characteristics of antichrist but he's not the antichrist see we will never know until this person usurps three of the 10 does everybody understand that so you can speculate all you want. There's been a lot of types of antichrists, but there will be one in the last days. I believe right now in the earth, the stage is being set for the antichrist. How he's building his body is through the internet. This is how the antichrist is building his body. Now, he'll be the head. He's a false head. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Well, wow, this is not important part of my notes. I'm going there, folks. I'm going there. Is the internet a bad thing? No, but it is called a web. The World Wide Web, so so are you mature enough, smart enough to maneuver the web without the spider sucking the blood out of your body? Because you know when you vibrate the web, (laughs) the spider comes running to the vibration. So I'm just warning you, just because you have all this technology doesn't mean you benefit, okay? So you have to be cautious. So let's look at Alexander's four generals. Lysimachus, he took Thrace and Bithynia. Cassander, he took Macedonia. Ptolemy won Soter. He took Egypt. And of course, Seleucus won uh, Nicator. He took Syria. Once again, Alexander the Great's siblings, uh, his, his children, were, were poisoned killed. Amen? So the four generals. Uh, divided, You can see that in the book of Daniel. So let's ask ourselves a question. Why did Israel have to suffer after Alexander's death? Why did Israel have to suffer? The country of Israel is located between the country of Syria to the north and Egypt to the south. Is Syria in the news today? I don't know about you guys, but to have a civil war going on five years? How many of you know there's probably a stronghold over Syria right now? How many of you know there's probably a principality, a ruler, right, of darkness or of the air over that area of Damascus and Aleppo? How many of you understand what I'm saying? The kings of the north and south were constantly fighting each other and Israel was always a victim of these wars. Now, currently, there is a vacuum for leadership in Egypt, but they're still at peace with Israel. How many of you understand what I'm saying? So Syria to this day is not at war with Egypt. But once again, I want to remind you that the population of Egypt right now is 90 million people. So if they have a bad hair day, they could do some damage. Egypt could do some damage. So all of North Africa is is a very troubled area. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Have you ever heard of Benghazi? Has that been brought up in the news? Was there a tragedy in Benghazi? If you go back and study history, if you look at Tripoli and and Benghazi in this particular region of North Africa, it's always been trouble. There's always been murder and mayhem and chaos. That spirit has always been, you can go back and study it, for even to the time of Rome, you can go back and study it for yourself. So certain areas throughout the earth, as far as the territory, is, is trouble. Amen. What about the evil leader in the Hanukkah story? The evil leader in the Hanukkah story... His name was Antiochus IV Epiphanes. He was a tyrant, cruel, harsh, and savage. He believed that he was deity in the flesh. In 171 BC, he came to to the Seleucid throne in Syria. He believed that he was deity in the flesh. I want to submit something to all of you, and I'm making this statement, and I believe it with all my heart. I believe we live in a culture of little gods. All around us. Little gods just running around that life is gonna go the way I want it to go, and I'm gonna do what I want to do, and I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say, and that's just the way it is. Little gods running around. How I many of you say we're not God? And so when things don't go your way, you turn into this little God, you know. How could my tire be flat? What you want somebody else to have a flat tire? How come my kids sick? You want somebody else's kid to be sick? So we get this attitude. We, we get this, this haughtiness in our hearts. And I love the church. I love the community because it allows us to humble ourselves. Amen? I'm always humbled to just to come in here. Amen? Humbled to just come in here and worship the Lord and, 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 and receive him. Amen? So Antiochus Epiphanes and his dealings with Israel, you can find this reference in Daniel 11:21 21 through 35. Don't be intimidated by prophecy. It's okay to look at commentary. let Scripture interpret Scripture and get a perspective. Uh, I would recommend even downloading this off Bible Gateway in the Amplified Version. really opens up to an understanding and, and putting it all together. And once again, you can do that because it's in hindsight. How many understand what I'm saying? Daniel 11, 21 through 35, it's in hindsight, rightly dividing the word of God. And that's what we want to do. And and I'm telling you, we need Bible revival, everybody. We need Bible revival. You should always be bringing your Bible, always taking notes. That's what's missing in this culture. We need Bible revival. We need to get excited about the portions of Scripture. We need to be reading it and understanding it and chewing on it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not just going to come to you. The Bible doesn't just come to you. You go to the Bible. You reap what you sow. We read the newspaper, emails, all this stuff. We're hooked on our phones. I know it. I know it. It's like crack cocaine. They've already proven that we are addicted to our phones. Where's the balance? Why can't you be addicted to the Torah portions? Why can't you be addicted to the Word of God? Because it's easier to feed our flesh than our spirit. My spirit's always crying out. I go at times without reading the Bible myself, and it doesn't work. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't work. There's no exceptions. Well, the pastor gets an extra week off. Give us this day our daily bread. Look at Daniel eleven 21. We're going to go right out of the gate. Isn't that the verse that's on your program? And in his estate shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom, but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Now stop and look at the landscape today. Stop and look at our government. Stop and look at the political process. Stop and even look at Europe or the country of Turkey or whatever it is. Life's about who you know, amen? Obtain the kingdom by flatteries. So he's not going to just get the position that he really wants. He's going to have to give flatteries. He's going to have to give favors. Does that sound familiar? Basically, he shall obtain the kingdom by the lobbyists. It's, it, it's funny, if you really look at Americans and their politics, I mean, it, it's, you know, you got the three branches of government and stuff, but there's a lot of corruption. Even in Israel's government, the Knesset, I mean, there's a lot of corruption. There, there's a prime minister in jail right now for corruption. And what does Torah teach? Don't take a bribe. So I want you to hear this out because I've studied this for you. It, it's fascinating, it, it's in layers, but it's, it's incredible how, how we can go back now and look at this. When Seleucus the fourth. Philopater died unexpectedly, he left two sons behind. The first son, Demetrius, was being held in Rome as a hostage. His second son, Seleucus, was still a young boy. When their uncle Antiochus Epiphanes heard this news in Athens, he returned to Antioch under the pretext of becoming his nephew's regent. But after his return, he hired a man named Andronicus to kill his young nephew. Then he put Andronicus to death on a charge of treason, and he himself took the throne. Now, let's ask ourselves a question, and, and I think this could even happen in a church government setting as well. Do you feel like in the earth today, even in our government, people are jockeying for positions? No, hear me out. Let me explain something to all of you. And and I'm learning this as a pastor because I really cried out to God, God, please don't take me out of my comfort zone. I actually told him that. You're taking me out of my comfort zone. I said it to him. See, what's happening now in the system, whether it's Republican or Democrat, a lot of people, the fat cats, are sitting there. They love where they're at. They love what they're getting. They love what they're doing. And, And when Donald Trump got elected, they got scared. Because now you're going to take my position away, my comfort away, and everything else away from me. Drain the swamp. Okay, I'm only saying that God can use King Cyrus, a Persian emperor, right, to do his bidding. God can use Donald Trump. And I believe he is. So, so let's see how it just plays out. That's all I'm saying. I, I'm a very political person. I like politics when it's done right. But if it's wrong, it's wrong. Amen? And I think what frustrates me more than anything is that this country is a republic. It's, it's founded on a republic. So, so actually the people vote in who they want to be represented by. So when you get a candidate that you really like and he flip-flops, where does your vote go? How can your vote go? Are you pro-life or pro-choice? What are you? I'm not going to give a comment. Well, guess what? I can't vote for you. Isn't it that simple? Now, we get all disappointed as Christians. And by the way, we are in a post-Christian era. You are a minority. If you have values and morals and you believe the Bible, you are a minority in the earth today. You are a minority, period. So if you're upset with the government, it represents America. Don't be disappointed. We're in the kingdom of God. We have the Torah. We got something better than American government. We have the Torah. We can live better than the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. We can live better than that. And I'm sorry, but the Torah makes everybody better if it's done right. But this is how God works. It's not bleak and doom and gloom, and doomsday preppers out there. Are you kidding me? We're going to thrive. We're not going to survive. We're going to thrive. We're going to do great exploits. It says that we would return us and our children. That's what the Bible says. We get the blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It goes right down the line. I was sharing that last night with my family. We're here to represent the kingdom. Why are we going to be in Lake Okeechobee in a commune? You're a light on a hill, folks. You're a light on a hill. You're, God, you're, you're God's gift to the people. You're a gift to the people, even those that are indifferent. Obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Nothing's changed, everybody. Nothing's changed. What is that saying, flattery? We'll get you everywhere. That's Daniel eleven 21. Let's look at Daniel eleven twenty two. The second verse in regard to... To Antiochus, look, and with the arms of a flood shall they be overflown from before him and shall be broken, yea, also the prince of the covenant. Now, who's the prince of the covenant? He's the high priest. He's the high priest. 2 Maccabees, chapter four, verses four through 10. This is why it pays to be Catholic. That's all I'm saying. It's to my advantage, I'm telling you. Paul used his citizenship of Rome. I'll pull out the Catholic card on you. Look at, look at this. Look at this. Now, this is interesting. Now, let, hear me out. This is in hindsight, we can discover this. It's public records. The high priest of Israel was deposed by Antiochus, and Jason, his brother, was put in his place because he offered him a great sum of money. 2 Maccabees chapter 4, verses 4 through 10. The agreement between Antiochus and Jason. The new high priest was broken. The high priest position was given to Menelaus, his younger brother, who gave more money to Antiochus than Jason did. Oh, and that's your church. That's the priesthood. Let me ask you guys a question. The first time Yeshua came, was the priesthood corrupt? Now, I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but how's the church looking today? Is the church strong and vibrant? Is there a spirit of salvation in our young people? No. No. There's reality, folks. I'm telling you. You're waiting for revival? That's when Jesus comes back. The Bible talks about a remnant. And we're that remnant. But it's good to be the remnant. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way, amen? Amen. Narrow is the way, everybody. I'm telling you, man, the father, my father in heaven, he's jerked a new one in my tail. I'm telling you, he don't, give, he don't cut me no slack. He gives it to me. I mean, you know, I, I read in here about these men and women of God and the fire of the Lord and the dread of the Lord came upon them. I'm, I've experienced this, people. I'm telling you, I, I, I shudder when he reveals things and shows things to me. I, I literally freak out and scared to death. Like, Lord, you know, I, I have to go down to like a fetal position because I am so terrified at, at what God is showing me. And it's not a, a fear of, of, you know, incompetence or anything. It's just that, wow, Lord, this is real. This is really going down. And, I, and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Now, look, look at Daniel eleven twenty three 23 through 24. Let's read it together. And after the league made with him, he shall work deceitfully, for he shall come up and shall become strong with a small people. He shall enter peaceably even upon the fattest places of the province, and he shall do that which his fathers have not done, nor his fathers' fathers. He shall scatter among them the prey and spoil and riches, yea, and he shall forecast his devices against the strongholds even for a time. Shall become strong with the small people. Antiochus was able to take the throne with a limited amount of people because there was division among the people. (laughs) Oh, come on. You didn't get that. Let me read that again. I'm not mentioning any names. I'm not mentioning any names. Antiochus was able to take the throne with a limited amount of people because there was division. Among the people. Now, in context, there was division. Oh, hear, hear me out on this. This bah, blew my mind. It was a division among those that wanted the throne. Those that wanted the throne were fighting each other. Wow. Does that sound familiar? I mean, the Republican Party is so united. They're god. They, they have such nice things to say in regard to Trump. All of them are just god. Come on. I'm telling you, when, when I was reading this and discovering this, it was like the Father was showing me that there's nothing new under the sun. Oh, it gets better. Oh, it gets better. It gets better, Bobby. Antiochus divided the spoils of war among his friends and subjects. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. Can, can, I can talk about this stuff, can I? Can I go a little political? Can I go political? Why not? I'm not endorsing a candidate. I'm going to go political on you. I'm going to go political on you because I want you to really think about it. Because you guys are bored with the Bible, you're bored with the Torah questionnaire, you're bored with, with the scriptures. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's a lie. It's real. And all this stuff that's around us, you go home and watch TV, it's already happened. It's already happened. It's already happened. It's amazing to me. I don't know if you've even noticed this, but look at certain trends. Are you you familiar with the word trends? Numbers don't lie. Okay, certain trends now... You could have a bunch of reason for trends, but a trend is a trend. Have you noticed what Donald Trump is doing? He's putting generals in office or positions who were fired by Obama. You know why, you know why he's doing that? Do you know why he's doing that? Because he can. <laughs> right? Okay, right? I want to go to the leadership meeting, and I'm going to get some pastries and stuff, and I got my son with me. And he says, Father, can I get something? I said, sure. You know why? Because I can. I do. I sit back in my bed and I laugh. I laugh. I go, Lord, this is really a circus, this life today. This, it's free entertainment. They're still trying to figure out the election. They're still trying to find votes. Where are the votes? Where are the votes? Where are the... Where are, where, are the, where, are the, where are the votes? Where's the illegal aliens? Where's their vote? Is there votes in here? It's ridiculous. But look at this. Antiochus versus Ptolemy of Egypt. Here we go. The north versus the south. Oh, come on. Daniel 11, 25 to 27. Ooh, we're, we're cruising now. Don't you love prophecy? Isn't prophecy fun now? Let's read Daniel 11:25 through 27 together. And he shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army and the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army but he shall not stand for they shall forecast devices against him. They're going to go against each other. Let's keep reading. Yea, they that feed of the portion of his meat shall destroy him, and his army shall overflow, and many shall fall down slain. And both of these kings' hearts shall be to do mischief, and they shall speak lies at one table. But it shall not prosper, for yet the end shall be at the time appointed. Let me read that again. Both of these kings' hearts shall be to do mischief, and they shall speak lies at one table. Now, I don't want to get in trouble, but at this time, I would love to put up the picture of Trump and Romney having dinner. (laughs) You know, you see, you you read this Old Testament, I'm telling you, there's nothing new under the sun. Because an enemy enters somebody's heart, it's just like he entered the hearts of the past. And I'm not, I'm not one to say yay or nay, but some are speculating. Trump is setting Romney up because he did him so wrong, he's going to lead him along, and then he's going to blind date gone bad. He's going to get revenge. You can speculate all you want. It's a rumor. So Antiochus attacked Egypt. Conquering all but Alexandria and capturing King Ptolemy to avoid alarming Rome. Oh, here comes Rome now. Antiochus allowed Ptolemy Sixth to continue ruling as a puppet king. Upon Antiochus' withdrawal, the city of Alexandria chose a new king, one of Ptolemy's brothers, also named Ptolemy VIII, your Gettys. Instead of fighting a civil war, The Ptolemy brothers agreed to rule Egypt jointly. Interesting, isn't it? We're moving on down the line, aren't we? We started with Daniel 11.21, and now you have graduated to Daniel 11.28. Let's read it. Then shall he return into his land with great riches, and his heart shall be against the holy covenant, and he shall do exploits and return to his own land. Now, his heart is against the holy covenant. Which covenant is that that his heart is against? Mosaic covenant, absolutely. Mosaic covenant. His heart is against the Mosaic covenant. And and I'm telling you, I, I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. I remember just praying, and the Father was just sharing with me, you see the earth around you? Do you see what's going on? I said, yes, Lord. He said, this is why I have given you the Mosaic Covenant. Because this is a sign that the spirit of Antichrist wants to take this from us. See, some people have willingly just walked away from the Mosaic Covenant. It didn't get into their heart and their mind. And they've just walked away. Satan's like... But for us who persevere... We press into the Torah, and the Torah presses into us. That Torah doesn't bring life. It doesn't give you eternal life. Hear me out. Even Jesus said, you search the Scriptures to find eternal life. You'll never find it in in the letter of the law because why? Eternal life is in a person, Jesus Christ. But what the Torah can do for you is to separate you from Satan's camp. Do you like to be in bed with demons crawling all over you? Or would you rather be in a a holy place that is sanctified, set apart, protected in provision? Oh, and, and by the way, this is all throughout the Bible. I get a kick out of the Christian commentary when they talk about, you know, in Revelation, oh, look, the Jews are running for their life. Feel sorry for them. No, that's you running for your life. But by the way, if you go back and take that in context, there's provision and protection as they travel. It's your perspective. That's what it is. So we have been in the Torah portions going on 18 years. We are in our 18th Torah cycle. Amen? Remember what I said. Before God judges, he always gives a sign. And I'm telling you right now, when you come into a church like this and you see that Torah sitting in that ark, you better know that this is a sign of the last days. Because we are active not inactive. If the Torah became flesh, I don't think it's been done away with. That's my personal opinion. Listen to this. I mean, this is so relevant for today. I I mean, I'm just barely scratching the surface. So while Antiochus was busy in Egypt, right, walk like an Egyptian, a rumor, a rumor spread that he had been killed. Jason, the deposed high priest, gathered a force of 1,000 soldiers and made a surprise attack on the city of Jerusalem. Menelaus was forced to flee Jerusalem during a riot. We don't have any riots today, do we? On the king's return from Egypt in 167 B.C., enraged by his defeat, he attacked Jerusalem and restored Menelaus after executing many Jews. You can find this in 2 Maccabees, Chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Now, the latest topic today is what? False news today. False news today. Oh, I get the news, but now I've got to go over to this website to see if it's true. It's like all these celebrities that supposedly died. And they respond to social media. I'm still alive. I didn't die. And, and I love this because why is this relevant for today? Listen, you can understand the parables of Yeshua and know that it's Torah that he's speaking to us about. But once you get past that, I think we need to look at the, we need to look at the uh, warnings of Yeshua. Yeshua warns us, doesn't he? I mean, it's like a plague out there, it's a plague. In 24, verse 6, and, and here's Yeshua's words, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. It's all about these birth pangs. Everybody understand what I'm saying? Amen? So we have to make sense of it all. Look at Daniel 11:29. 29. Let's go to there. Let's read it. At the time appointed, he shall return and come toward the south, but it shall not be as the former or as the latter. He shall come toward the south, but it shall not be as the former or as the latter. Something's going to change now, and then we're going to discover that. Look at Daniel 11.30. Let's read it together. We're still in Antiochus. For the ships of Sheetim shall come against him, therefore he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the holy covenant. Indignation. So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the holy covenant. Oh. Indignation against the holy covenant. So we always criticize what we don't understand. And that's what's happening in this walk with our family. we got to weather the storm. we got to love them through it. Because you're in the gap for them. They don't know what's coming. If you lose heart, they'll lose heart. They'll be a victim because of your unfaithfulness. Their unfaithfulness is our faithfulness. You're doing it for them. Can't tell you enough. Because Israel, in Isaiah 40-66, to if you go back and read it in context, Israel is Yahweh's witness and his servant. So Antiochus, he led a second attack on Egypt. But before reaching Alexandria, his path was blocked by a single old Roman ambassador named Gaius Popilius Laenus. What a name. He delivered a message from the Roman Senate directing Antiochus to withdraw his armies from Egypt and Cyprus or consider themselves in a state of war with the Roman Republic. You don't want to do that. Here comes the Death Star. Antiochus said he would discuss it with his council. Whereupon the Roman envoy drew a line in the sand around him and said, Before you cross this circle, I want you to give me a reply for the Roman Senate, implying that Rome would declare war if the king stepped out of the circle without committing to leave Egypt immediately. Weighing his options, Antiochus decided to withdraw. Amen? Smart move, right? So let's think about this now. Keep this in context. So what was Antiochus' desire? What was his desire? Think about it. What was Antiochus' desire? Think about it. Number one, he was anxious to unite his kingdom of many languages, cultures, and religions. New world government, new world religion, new world financial system, amen? How dare you do the Brexit? He desired to Hellenize or impose Greek language, thought, and religion upon his subjects in an effort to unify his rule through assimilation. So there were two factions in Israel. There were two factions in Israel, and you can even see this today. I'm telling you, this is incredible. This is unbelievable. It's so relevant, everybody. And so we got we to get out of the muddy, muddy waters, Amen. They were the religious faction. They desired rule by the Ptolemies in Egypt since that dynasty did not seek to Hellenize its subjects. They honored the covenant of Yahweh and were committed to preserving the pure worship of the God of Israel. So if you see the trouble in Syria today, Antiochus was a Syrian. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Look at what Assad is doing in the Civil War for five years. He will not let go. He will not step down. He is just... Tenacious. Do you understand that? The two fashions in Israel continue. What about the secular? Not religious, not connected with the church. Did you know that that's what it means in the Webster's Dictionary? Do you know that secular in and of itself is not bad? Do you understand that? It just means not connected with the church. Now, the progressive Hellenist party, (laughs) they included many of the aristocracy who had little concern for the faith of their fathers. Let's look at the Hellenists. I mean, that's self-explanatory. The Hellenists. I mean, what part of that don't you understand? You know? They saw only the economic and social advantages of appearing enlightened, civilized, and accepted by the advanced nations throughout the world, which embraced Hellenism. Oh, they desired Syrian rule along with its imposed Greek culture enlightenment. <coughs> and let me tell you something Hellenism promotes a bigger and stronger economy. Right? It does. It does. And culturally, it does. Expands the culture. And then you have these, of course, large populations. Right? I mean, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. I mean, I think it's up to two and a half million more votes than Trump. I mean, isn't that amazing, though? You understand what I'm saying? So the Democrats know, and I'm not against Democrats or Republicans, I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying, if you go back and look over the electoral college or the map and you look over the votes in the states, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling that the whole state is red except for the quarter's blue and blue wins. Why? All you have to do is get the majority and you win the electoral votes. Didn't work for the Democrats this time. It didn't work. And, and they've already said that everything is cyclical. You could only have eight years of something. Then you got to get rid of it. You know what I mean? I mean, eight years of Obama, we're done. Adios, amigos. Right? Eight years of the Bushes. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're done. You're toast. Stick a fork in them. They're done. So it's kind of cyclical in nature. Does everybody see what I'm saying? Isn't it true? I mean, it's, it's, right, it's right there. God's in control. I love this teaching. Continuing on with these Hellenists, this group willingly forsook. The Greek word means to apostatize or abandon the holy covenant. 1 Maccabees 1.15. See, I want to get better at the Torah. I don't want to share the Torah. Do I get to? Yeah. Does God give me enough to? He could, but I'm going to tell you what I'm hearing from people. Boy, I'm glad I don't have to do all those things you're doing. And I said, I feel sorry for you because I'm free. I'm freer now than I've ever been because I don't play Russian roulette with God. I know what my father likes and what he doesn't like. I know what sin is because I discovered it in the Torah. So you go ahead and just play Russian roulette because the gun's going to go off. See, it's a personal choice. It's an obedience contest. It's not a pride contest. I'm smarter than you. I know more than you. I'm closer to God than you. No, it's an obedience contest. Continuing on, so Hellenism was far more than just Greek philosophy and ordered society. It was built around Greek religion. It deified nature, created a pantheon of mythological gods, promoted widespread immorality in the worship of those gods. Now listen to me. I'm very aware of the culture. How many of you think the Greek mythology is real popular right now? Isn't it? Have you ever heard the term Hybrid. I kid you not. I mean, you know, half man, half God. Come on. Percy Jackson and all this stuff, okay? And, and I think we should be educated on Greek mythology. I think you should study it. There's nothing wrong with that. And it was so funny. I remember going to Publix, going up to the entrance there, and I see a sign, Hybrid Sushi. <laughs> Come on, have you ever seen that sign, Hybrid su-? I don't know what that is. I didn't even pursue It doesn't sound good to me. Is it sushi or is it not sushi? You know what I'm saying? So, what does Hellenism do? We have to have a universal culture. Oh, we got to all just be one. If that was true, God would have made one tribe. One tribe. No. There's 12 tribes. Amen. Socialism. God's not a socialist. Did you know that? I can prove in the Bible God's not a socialist. You know there's three different offerings that you can bring. Did you know that? If you're rich, you can bring the bull. Ah, middle class, here's a goat, here's a lamb. If you're poor, hey, I got two birds. Think about this. You reap what you sow, so if you work hard, you should enjoy that. God's a rewarder to those that diligently seek after him. Matthew 5, it's right there, the incentive. The incentive for that Torah is right in Matthew 5. Those that teach the Torah and live it will be greater in the kingdom than those that don't teach it or live it. I want to be greater in the kingdom. I'm jockeying for position. I tell my pastor friends, I tell everyone. I have meetings with people in my office. I want you to know I'm jockeying for position in the kingdom of God. i got to compete against this Peter, James, and John and stuff, man. They're tough. That Jewish mother, she's a tough cookie, man. I said, I, I don't know if I can beat her, but... I am, i am be honest with all of you, I am jockeying for a position in the kingdom of God. So it doesn't matter what happens to me, it doesn't matter what, what's going to take place, because all I have to be is obedient and I get my position. You know, people think that Jesus you know, is at Lowe's getting hardware to build you a house, I go to prepare a place for you, come on man, no, no, he's preparing a place for you in his administration, I'm telling you, I was watching Trump pick his cabinet and all this stuff, and I, I get a little glimpse. I keep up with it and stuff, you know, and I'm just trying to keep up with it, and, and I just laugh, and the Lord's like, you know, you got a position with me. You're in. You're with me, man. You're in. You're with me. You keep doing what you're doing. You're with me. I've already picked you. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, it'll change your life, everyone. What do you want to show for your life? All you have to do is what's revealed. Live what's revealed, and you're gonna get the greatest reward. I don't have to make anything up, I don't have to stir something up, conjure something up. It, it's just given to me. Just do what he told you to do. And if you tell me, well, Pastor Nick, I haven't heard what to do, you need to do what you gotta do to do the do-do. <laughs> you can't be like that. Every day he says, I want you to build a strong community and raise up this next generation. That's all I want you to do. You know, raise up this community, make it strong. Build the core group. Let this place grow relationally stronger. And those that don't want that won't be a part of a strong community. That's fine. You're like the animal that leaves the pack. You're lunch. That's all I'm going to say. And when you read in Revelation where certain portals are opened up and demons are crawling all over this earth, I'm not going to say I told you so. I've already had a vision of all of this front is filled with young people, demon-possessed, screaming, crying, cutting themselves in this church right up here, covered, wanting, wanting relief. And we're going to have those doors wide open. And they're going to be delivered. You, you'll probably, it won't even be like a normal, so people are just going to come running in here screaming and yelling and throwing themselves down here saying, God save me. Because that's what it takes sometimes. Now listen, I'm telling you, this is relevant for today. Traditionally, as expressed in the first and second book of Maccabees, the Maccabean revolt was painted as a national resistance to a foreign political and cultural oppression. In modern times, however, scholars have, of course, argued that the king was instead intervening in a civil war between the traditional Jews in the country and the Hellenized Jews in Jerusalem. According to Joseph P. Schultz, listen to this. Modern scholarship, on the other hand, considers the Maccabean Revolt less as an uprising against foreign oppression than as a civil war between the Orthodox and Reformist parties in the Jewish camp. Prayer is prayer. The Word is the Word. Worship is worship. It should not be diluted. It should not be haphazardly done. And and, and by the way, if you study the Northern Kingdom, the the scary thing is, and thank you for pastor's appreciation, but if you go back and study the Northern Kingdom, there wasn't one righteous king or leader among the Northern Kingdom, not one. And all I'm saying in this movement with the non-Jews or the side of Ephraim, the house of Joseph, it's time to be mature and responsible leaders. It's time to take back what God wants to give us through integrity and through character. Because we have built a reputation in this community to be legitimate. That's why we do the outreach that we do, and that's why we do what we do. Does everybody understand that? We have to be legitimate. Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they made associations. They made covenants. They did handshakes over wells and land and caves and everything else. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are not an island. We are a force to be reckoned with. Look at Daniel 11:31. "An arm shall stand on his part and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate." Does anybody see that? Is there an abomination of desolation? Was it up on the Temple Mount? Yes. Continuing on. The abomination of desolation refers to a statue of the Greek god Zeus. That was placed in the temple by Antiochus IV Epiphanes. Once again, the abomination of desolation is something on the Temple Mount that should not be there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is the Temple Mount in controversy today? Is there the Dome of the Rock? Is there a mosque? Yes. That's not the abomination of desolation. Now, the abomination of desolation by Antiochus was only a type and shadow of what is to come in the future with the Antichrist. Would you agree that the abomination of desolation took place almost 200 years before Christ, Yeshua? 164 B.C., 175 B.C. Would you agree? If we go to Matthew 24, in verse 15, come on, somebody! He's giving you the answers to the test! Seriously, that's how I feel. I've got the answers to the test. I got, and I'll cheat. I'll give them to you. I got the answers to the test. Look at Matthew 24, 15. Here's Yeshua. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. It's going to happen again. And I do believe, I don't know if I got it in here. I don't think I wrote it in this one. Okay, we're going to, thank you, Holy Spirit. Daniel 9. Daniel 9, because Antiochus, didn't we just read the verse about him doing it? Antiochus? But let's look at Daniel 9, 27. Well, Pastor Nick, what's he quoting? What's he doing? How many of you know that if Jesus quotes the book of Daniel, Daniel's good? Jesus talks about Jonah. Jonah's good. Look at Daniel 9 27. This is about the 70 weeks. This is what Yeshua is quoting. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Do you see where it says abominations? Daniel 9.27. How many of you know that it hasn't happened yet? The abomination of desolation by Antiochus was only a type and shadow of what is to come in the future with the Antichrist. Do you have the right to know this? Should you know this? Yes. Yes. Look at Antiochus prohibited the following things. Antiochus prohibited the following things. Clean sacrifices on the altar. Honoring the Sabbath keeping the feasts, circumcision of all the males, and the Torah. So you wonder why you're getting resistance, whether it's in ignorance or out of spite or whatever, or a wrong spirit. You wonder why this is happening in your life. It's because Antiochus prohibited all these things. All of you are guilty right now. Did you know that? That Torah scroll being in our room, we're all guilty. And we're meeting on the Sabbath and we believe in circumcision, you're all guilty. And as I was reading about Hanukkah and, and the prophetic significance of Hanukkah, historical, as I was beginning to research, I felt like a, a still, small voice was like this. You're the Maccabees. You're the Maccabees. You're the Maccabees. Wow. We're the Maccabees. I know we're living in the last days because if we're getting all of this stuff and we're doing all of this, who's going to come to try to take it from us? Spirit of Antichrist. So if you're really not into your Hebrew roots, he's already got you. I'm telling you, man. People just got to be educated. Antiochus encouraged the following. What did he encourage? Idolatry, sacrificing of unclean animals, assimilation. Even the Jews are having a hard time. The Jews are trying to get the Jews to fall in love with the land of Israel again in Jerusalem. Most of the Jews don't even care. Que sera, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. Are you kidding me? I care about the Jews. I care about Israel. I care about the Temple Mount. I do. Look at Daniel eleven thirty two 32 and 33. We're finishing up here with Antiochus. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. Come on now. Yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity, and by spoil many days. It's not going to come easy. Hebrew isn't easy. It's not easy. If you're going to tell me the Hebrews or the Christian faith is easy, I'm like, you've got the wrong message. So the majority is, is, is out there. But here's the heroes of Hanukkah. Heroes of Hanukkah. Mattathias was the great grandson of Hasmon, a descendant of Jehorab of the first division of priests. John, Simon, Judah, Eliezer, and Jonathan were the five sons of Mattathias. They lived in Modin, and they had a situation where, you know, Syrian officer comes and says, Mattathias, we would like to give you a position in our government if you'll just do the following things. Just come along with us and just be assimilated and all these. Just give up this stuff. Amen? And, and you know, and, and, he, and he's like, no. A Jew is there. He's going to sacrifice an unclean animal. Mattathias kills the Jew. He's basically saying, not on my watch. Thus began the guerrilla warfare. They would rather die than be assimilated. That's the way we got to be. I'd rather die than be assimilated. I'd rather die than be comfortable. From the city of Modin. This is where uh, Devorah lives. The city of Modin, this took place. Judah the Maccabee, Amen. Judah was the third son who took over when Mattathias, his father, died. Judah was called the Maccabee, believed to be from the Hebrew word Maccabee meaning hammer. He was the first MC Hammer time. Amen? There's a lot more detail we can go into. But really, if you want to make it relevant, we have to look at the rededication of the temple. The rededication of the temple. They removed the Zeus idol with the face of Antiochus cleaned up the sanctuary, rebuilt the holy altar, and on Kislev 25, 165 B.C., exactly three years to the day from its defilement, they rededicated the altar to the Lord. See, that's what we're doing. We are rededicating our lives to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're rededicating the covenants that we didn't understand, that we didn't have, and we are rededicating ourselves to those covenants because they are eternal. And they all play on each other, amen? Amen. People want to take the Mosaic Covenant out of the deck of cards. And you know, you know what that's called? You're not playing with a full deck. Come on, somebody. And that's what a lot of pastors would tell you as you go and ask them questions because they don't have the answers. Well, you know, I've noticed in the Bible, and they're like, ah, oh, silly boy, sit down, shut up. But pastor, but pastor, sit down. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. But pastor, you're not playing with a full deck. It doesn't matter. I'm comfortable. I like where I'm at. I know a lot of these things, but I just can't tell my people because I'll lose my job and church and ties will go down. So I'm comfortable. I'm good. I don't want to rock the boat, baby. I want to rock the boat and put a hole in it. Now, this is where it gets very interesting, because once again, if we don't think about the person of Jesus Christ, if we don't think about Yeshua and what he's up against, how he stands to the darkness, he stands up against Satan, he confronts him for who he is, because we all have a free will. Let's look at Yeshua's deity and, and of course, the Hanukkah story in John 10, to 42. And Christians all the time, well, what does that have to do with Christianity? Everything. This has everything to do with Christianity. Look at John 10, 22 and 23. Let's read it together. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. He made it a point to celebrate Hanukkah. I know I'm going over a little bit. I don't care. I'm going to edit it later. So anyway, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, and I love commentary because I like to eat the fish and spit out the bones. So I'm looking at all this commentary about even Paul. Paul did this, and Paul, oh, well, you know, Paul did all these Torah things for the Jews. But really, the church and Christ, we don't have to do those things. And that's the commentary. It doesn't make sense. You don't have a house full of children with two rules. Look at John ten thirty. Here's where Yeshua sets the record straight. This is why he celebrated Hanukkah. This was his purpose. He goes, I and my father are one. Antiochus is not deity. He is not God. And this is what happened 200 years before I got here, but I'm here, baby. Oh, I'm here, baby. And and let me just tell you that I and the Father are one. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. Just want to set the record straight. And that's what he did against evil, against the darkness, against Satan. He stated his claim. No, you're not God. I'm God. And look at John 10, 42. This is us. And many believed on him there. Hanukkah traditions. I'm closing it out with Hanukkah traditions. Hanukkah traditions. Lighting the Hanukki at home. Boy, this is an old picture. We are new and improved at this point in time. No, there's six. Yeah, name that kid. That's not Hadassah. That's a day. That's not a day. That's Eva. That's not Eva. That's Briella. That's, that's not Briella. That's, that's my wife. <laughs> now, about lighting the Hanukkahs at church. Pretty cool, huh? Lighting the Hanukkahs at church. Let's look at the Hanukkah. Just beautiful, isn't it? It's a type of menorah. It's a Hanukkah. It's got nine branches. How about spinning the dreidel? This was an interesting concept. You know, when Antiochus said, you cannot do Torah, you cannot have the Torah. You can't do Torah studies, you can't bring out the Torah, you can't be in the synagogue studying Torah. So you know what the, the Jews would do? They would play these games and do Torah. And when the soldiers would come around, it looked like they were playing a game. They were having Torah study. So you spin the dreidel. Amen? And then, of course, we have the chocolate gelt. Special coins were minted in commemoration of the Maccabees, Amen. because Antiochus, of course, had, has hit, he had his coin and um, went bankrupt. But there's no guilt in guilt. but please do not keep your guilt in a car in Florida. or you will have one big guilt. How about Lotkis? Yeah. Now,. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, gentlemen, Hanukkah's for you, baby, because it's anything fried. I don't care if it's a shoe, man. That's going to taste good. I, don't, I mean, you know what I'm saying? The fair, deep-fried Twinkies, Oreos, it's all good, man. Just throw that tennis shoe in there, man. I'll tell you, the whole family will be fighting over it. Whoa, ho, ho, ho. Jelly donuts and all that. Come on, gentlemen, get excited. Real simple, isn't it? Isn't that simple? Do those customs or traditions hurt anybody? are they blasphemous? Is is it even heresy? No, not at all. I remember when I went on the Temple Mount. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I remember when I went on the Temple Mount and I had to take my shoes off to go into the Dome of the Rock. I remember sharing the story with someone. They said, I would never take my shoes off. That's a form of worship. And I said, well, then you won't go to see the rock. You will be outside and I will be inside. This is what we do though. This is what we do. That's a form of worship. (laughs) You don't even, you need to take a humanities class. You need a humanities class. You know what I'm saying? Do as the Romans do. Get in there, man. Mix it up. Have fun. Do what you're told to do. Amen? So Hanukkah is the Hebrew word for dedication. And we have to ask ourselves a personal question. You know, what are we dedicated to? I know we all hit a bump in the road. I know we all feel down. We're not always on the mountaintop, and we get in the valley sometimes. But for for crying out loud, be dedicated to one another, to the vision of this church. You know, when I met the dryers, they changed my life. I'll never forget it. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I'll never forget it. He said, I've called you to this family. Do what they say. It was hard. I was was asked to do a lot of things, and my father-in-law didn't cut me any slack. He didn't. He was hard on me. And and what I want to tell you is that it's for a purpose. You know, and, and, and God woke me up this morning, and so I get to do more for his kingdom. You know? Because once you go to be with the Lord, you have done all that you could do to that point. You can never make it up, people. Oh, hear me out. You can never make it up. You can't. So go out with gusto. Give it everything you got. Be a drama queen. I don't care, man. Be passionate. Have purpose. Go all out. I asked Pastor Russell. I wanted to come up with a big spear, but I couldn't find it. I said, is that too theatrical? And he just laughed. He said yes in his spirit, I'm sure. But I told him what I wanted to do. I said, you know, I got to get people's attention because this is a real message. This is the real deal. Take it home. Don't just take my word for it. Study it for yourself. Don't be intimidated by prophecies. I don't know how some of these are going to come to pass, but don't be intimidated. Go into it. Say, I want to know. I want to know. Don't be duped. Don't have a deluding spirit put on you. In Second Thessalonians, it talks about people are having a deluding spirit put on them because they, re- they wouldn't receive the truth. They wouldn't receive the truth, and guess who puts the deluding spirit on them? God. I've tried to reason with people and have me talk to people. It's they're just not there. They're in a deluding spirit. They will not reason with you at all. There's no reasoning. It's over. You walk away. It's a deluding spirit. So be encouraged next week the prophetic significance of Hanukkah. Wear Hanukkah socks next week. I got some Hanukkah socks. I'm saving for Hanukkah because I'm going to blow them things off next week. I'm telling you, I'm going to blow them off. And and listen, dust your Bible off. Bring it next week, okay, because we're going to go into the prophecies. Listen, Hanukkah is going to happen again. And what the Lord showed me is that if you notice the traffic's really bad right now around the mall, People are distracted. Shopping, oh, you know, all this crazy stuff. And they're distracted. And, and I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's getting worse. Can't even find a spot at the mall. I mean, all I'm saying is that don't be distracted because if Hanukkah happens again, where are you going to be? Right? On Santa's lap or Jesus' feet? And I'm a little partial to St. Nick. I mean, I do think about if you're naughty or nice. I do. I think about you. So, Father, we just thank you for your spirit and your presence. We should be excited about this stuff, Father. You've given us this in hindsight. We can look at your word and and learn and grow and, and wake up, Father, and get our priorities straight, get our house in order, get out of debt, take care of ourselves. Eat things in moderation. Encourage one another. Get into your word, Father. Make intercession. We get to do all these things, Father, because we are returning back to you. The word says that we would return, us and our children. And, Father, I just ask you on behalf of Beit Tehila, would you please tell the great patriarchs and the matriarchs that we respect them and love them and appreciate their story because now we are walking out the very things that they experienced. And, and when they messed up, they can allow us to have success. Tell them thank you. Tell them todah Rabbah. We're not allowed to speak to the dead, Lord. I know that. But it says there's a cloud of witnesses, and they're looking down at us, cheering us on. No generation has seen a born-again experience filled with the Holy Spirit and have Torah, Father. We're the first generation No wonder we're being persecuted. No wonder nobody understands. But you understand. Because it's not by might nor by power. But it's by your spirit, saith the Lord. Let your spirit and presence be in here, Father. Let us not just go through the motions. Let us just not go through a questionnaire. Let us not just read the Bible flippantly, Father, and just sing a few verses. But let us engage your presence Let us engage you as a spirit, and let us engage you in truth. Let us be honest with ourselves. Let us do a spiritual audit at the end of this year in the Gregorian calendar and and discover these things and begin to work on them, Father, because I want to see your manifestation, because you're an indwelling, inbreaking God. I want to see you bust out in this place, Father. I just want you to explode with your presence and change our hearts towards you and towards each other. We ask this. In the name of Yeshua, amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself.